This is an ABC podcast. When you were a kid, did you and your father share an interest in something special to you? Doesn't always happen, but it's nice if it does. For Dennis Cometti and his son Mark, a common interest in sport led them to call the football together on the radio. Mark even has his father's voice. Yeah, hasn't he? He's actually lower than me, I reckon. Uh, yeah. In the family home, we like to refer to it as a more manly version of Dad. That's uh, generally <laughs> how it's described. Uh, he's been listening to his mother. And more from father and son Dennis and Mark Cometti later here on Sporty. Since this is the time of year we celebrate dads with Father's Day. Hello, I'm Amanda Smith. Now, there are all sorts of ways for dads to connect and share experiences with their children, and one of them, for sure, is through sport. For Richard Fox and his daughter Jessica, the sport is canoeing. If you watched the women's canoe slalom at the Olympic Games, you'd have seen Jessica win the event, with Richard in the commentary box calling her gold medal race. He was a champion paddler too. In fact, the family is full of them. Richard's own father canoed, his wife, Jessica's mum, was also an Olympic medalist in the sport. And Jessica, your sister's involved too. So could you have chosen any other sport? Did you ever even try to get serious about any other sport? (laughs) I think a lot of people said that I was born in a kayak and I actually was at my grandma's house a couple of weeks ago and we found some photos and there's this one photo of me sitting in a plastic kayak holding my first membership card for a club in Marseille with mum and dad behind me and I was six months old. So it started very young in my family. But for a long time, I did kind of shy away from it. I wanted to do gymnastics and swimming, but eventually came back to paddling. And once I found the white water, that's when I really started to love it. Mm, And probably inevitable. Well, Richard, given your father was also a paddler, I could ask the same question of you. Was any other sport a possibility for you? Well, I played football and ran cross country, football as in soccer, back in England. In fact, my dad, he wasn't like an accomplished paddler. We got into it through a canoe camping club. I had to give up my weekend football for Harpenden Rovers Football Club to start doing the slalom. So at first I resisted a bit, but once um, I went to my first competition, I was hooked. Was your relationship with your father strengthened through a shared interest in canoeing? Oh, look, yeah, he was passionate. You know, we built canoes at home and then he started a canoe club. I think my siblings would say I spoilt their childhood because I became obsessive about the sport and they, they got dragged along too. <laughs> Well, let's talk about you two as father and daughter. Jessica, what are your fondest memories of your dad around paddling? Dad and I, uh, I mean, getting into paddling and sort of wanting to be competitive and wanting to start trading, we'd have these early morning sessions on the river where on the Nepean River we'd go down before school, the boat's on the car and then do a hard lactic session or a drill session where he would really focus on my technique and Um, yeah, it's some of those moments that I know were very formative for me as an athlete. And Richard, what are your fondest memories of younger Jessica, little Jessica in a canoe or kayak? I think introducing her to the the whitewater 
which was you know a big challenge because you go from paddling on flat water and easy rivers perhaps and it's a big jump from that easy water to an olympic course and she would have been 11 or so at the time you have to learn how to you know write the kayak do the eskimo roll and that has to be bomb proof so that if you fall in you can roll back up so i you know i remember that fondly because we passed that test and then progressively we learned the trade on the river you know through all of that the confidence grew and and once she started racing, the first time she raced, she put everything into it and she was very competitive and that was quite revealing. Jess, how important has it been to have your dad around all those moments? Oh, it's been so important. And I think for me, dad, you know, I knew he was such a big champion in our sport and I knew that he had the best technique and he was such an incredible racer. So I wanted to learn as much as I could from him. And um, I think for a long time I did sort of I remember, you know, we'd go on holidays and the kayaks would come with us and I'd be like, oh, groaning. I just want to go to the beach. I don't want to go paddling. (laughs) But I think eventually when I did really get motivated and inspired by the Olympics, I had the best team around me and dad was always sort of the rock around the success, but also the disappointments. You know, I've had some really bad races where, you know, I felt completely shattered and it's always been a few words with dad that have helped me get back out on the on the water. Well, Richard, the, the role of a parent is really to be a sort of uncritical supporter, unconditional love given to whatever your kids' pursuits are. But when you know so much about the particular pursuit, as in your case with Jess, is that a bit more complicated to be a sort of uncritical supporter? Oh, it's incredibly challenging at times because, yeah, there are moments where you've got to show a bit of tough love and be honest and say what you think and not just you know, be soft around the edges because if you're in high-performance sport, you need truth in terms of the feedback and what you think needs to happen. So that's challenging when you're a parent and when there's disappointment and you're saying, you know, toughen up and get back on and do it again and you'll be better for it uh, because that's not necessarily what they're looking for from their father. And yet as a coach, so you get those conflicting roles in there a little bit, I think. I remember being, I must have been 15 or 16 and preparing for my first world championships in Slovenia and it was one of the biggest courses I'd ever paddled. It's a really huge first drop and I was really scared. I was taking a beating every time I went down it and I just got to the point where I got really upset and frustrated and started crying and said, I'm done. I don't want to do it anymore. And dad was on the riverbank and he was like, go back up, go back up and was really insisting that I go back up. And deep down, I knew he was right. But in the moment, I was so angry at him because I was like, what kind of parent wants their daughter to go down a a massive drop and get completely smashed in the white water? But I did it and I overcame that fear. And I think it was in one of those moments that I, you know, now I look back on that and I think I'm so glad that dad did push me to go back up and get back on it when I wasn't feeling it and when I was scared because overcoming that was a huge step for me. Okay, so Jessica, at the Olympic Games then, after your first event final, the K1 kayak slalom, you didn't do as well as you'd hoped to. Between that final and the canoe slalom final, did you have any communication with your dad? 
Yes, I did. And and even though he wasn't in Tokyo, he was still very much present. We were talking every day or sending messages. And it was really hard for me to digest that kayak race. There was a lot of emotion, you know, between the the, the, the pride and the relief of winning another medal, but also the disappointment of making that mistake and getting that last penalty that cost me the gold. So he definitely knew what I was going through. And he he sent me a message and just sort of told me to I guess, wake up stronger knowing that I was ready and celebrate the opportunity to own my choices with confidence and control and clarity and calmness. And so I, I remember repeating those things to myself as I was in the start line in the C1, just going confidence, calmness, control, and knowing that it takes courage to get back up and do what I was about to do in the C1. So <clears throat> yeah, it was it was amazing to be able to, to share that with him. Well, Richard, what you what you said worked. Well, yeah, I, I don't know that it was down to that. It was down to every paddle stroke that she put in on the way down the course. Uh, but that's probably yeah one of those challenging moments where you know the disappointment and how do you show support? And it was the morning of the race, I think, that I sent you that. Yeah, the, the day you did the C one. So finding the right time and. No, it well, yeah, feel touched that that helped, but it's not me. You know, it's it's what you did on the course that was the most amazing. I mean, you could have said the wrong thing that made me just mentally break, but it, it was definitely a positive impact that you had. <laughs> I had to think about it all night, <laughs> and I think it's not the end of the whole story, but it's the end of a chapter that was you know beautifully written in the end. When you watch Jessica compete, Richard, do you see something of yourself in her? Uh, probably less so now because the sports evolve so much. It's quite different. Uh, yes, potentially. And I think, you know, there were moments in my career where, you know, when I had a really good performance, I was often surprised and I sort of go, oh, where did that come from? And I was sort of lost, captured in that moment and so focused that you lose track of what's going on until it's over and then you look back and think did I just do that and when I watch Jess sometimes I can see those sorts of performances what she feels I don't know but what it looks like is she's in that same zone which is something you strive for it doesn't happen at every race that's for sure. Jessica have you always listened to your dad taken his advice? <laughs> um I mean, dad will probably say, probably not all the time, at least when I was younger, but I think so. I think as I've matured, I definitely do. Maybe we now have differing perspectives on, on technique because it has evolved a little bit and, and his technique is maybe a little bit more, I call it vintage, but we'll say traditional. <laughs> I mean, when he was paddling, the race runs were what, four minutes, three minutes, very long. And he used to paddle four meter boats. These days we paddle three and a half meter boats. They turn super quickly. So I like to think that I've taught him some newer techniques and how to do some really fast upstreams. And, you know, you'll see him on the weekend in normal times when the Whitewater Stadium is open, um, doing his loops and every so often he'll just completely nail an upstream gate. And I like to think I taught him that. <laughs> what do you think, Dad? <laughs> uh, I think that's a good one. Yeah, it's like, you know, I used to jump off a diving board and think I was pretty good and you do backflips and you've taught me how to do that. Yeah, the, the sport's evolved and, uh, you've yeah, you've taught me some of these new tricks. But I like to think the old school is still a good school. <laughs> 
Always. Richard, I mentioned that you were in the commentary box for the Olympic Games calling Jessica's events. Talk about stress. In the C1 canoe slalom final, how did you manage to stay so calm and so coherent as your daughter raced down that white water in and around and and through the gates? I mean, I wasn't calm and I'm not related. (laughs) No, it, it was special and the emotion, there was an emotion attached to that, which way would it go? But then in the moment, in the box, I put that technical hat on you know, and looked through that lens of watching the technique and the line. And, uh, but, I, yeah, I guess the thing that I was most focused on was yeah, just this question of how is she going to play it out because she was ready, the stage was set, and what part was she going to play? So I couldn't do anything to help that performance in the moment. And I was like everybody else, just spellbound by that question. What's she going to do? It, it's, it is a very analytical approach. It's, I still think it's amazing that you didn't actually just lose it at the end and scream and carry on. I, I guess it's not your personality either by the sound of it. Well, it's funny. No, I, I was, yeah, I was amazed. I was spellbound and happy and it was an amazing performance in the canoe i mean in the kayak i felt the pain as (laughs) i'm sure jess does you know when she hit that second to last gate Mm. so yeah i lived that but i contained it but the truth and i don't think i've told you this jess when i watched the k2000 the boys in the australian team in the canoe sprint straight line race and i was screaming at my i was watching it on my phone and i was screaming and i thought why didn't i do that when Jess was racing, but it was, you know, I was in a different, so I've got it in me, but when I left the commentary box and walked out into the studio, I was in Sydney calling from a studio, the emotion hit me then. The whole production crew stood up and applauded and uh, I was, yeah, I got a bit emotional and shed a few tears. Is that interesting to hear, Jessica? Did you know all that? Yeah, not all of that. I didn't know about the K2, um, (laughs) which it is quite funny. I think everyone who becomes the spectator watching the TV just gets so carried away. But when you're immersed in something like that, I assume you were sort of in your professional zone like we would be competing. You're focused on what you've got to do. So you try not to let emotion come in. But I have seen footage of you at least the end of my race and, and the podium. And I can definitely tell he was emotional and there were a few tears and he was speechless and all you could get out was, wow. <laughs> so, yeah, no, there was definitely emotion and a lot of emotion for me watching that back. Like every time I see that video, I get emotional. Mm. What does it mean to each of you to share this sport? Richard? Yeah, I feel incredibly fortunate that it evolved the way it did because it could have gone another way. And I think there were times when Jess and her sister Noemi were like, you know, that's your sport, leave me alone, I want to do my own thing. And so, yeah, I feel grateful for the journey and the moments and that uh, turning point when Jess beat me in the sprint on one of those mornings on the river before going to school. When was that? Do you remember that? It would have been, I think I would have been over 16, 17. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We used to compete and then there was that point of no return where she was getting better and I was getting older and slower. (laughs) And, you know, she was so competitive and I thought that's a good thing. I brought it to that level and, Mm. yeah, incredibly grateful that we've been able to share it. 
you know, the, the highs that we've experienced, notably the last month, have been just incredible. And although he couldn't be in Tokyo, I was so pleased that he could still experience it in, in a different way, you know, through the commentary. I think you live it in a different way. But, yeah, it's just been an incredible journey. And when I think back to those mornings on the river and, and how far we've come and, and the fact that I know that it's – something we'll continue to share long into the future until we can no longer paddle together. I think it's amazing to be able to share that. Not every father and daughter has a shared passion that they can, you know, bond over and experience these emotions over. So very grateful. And um, back to the back to the river, Dad, I still remember one of the last sessions that we did on the flat water and being so surprised that you were still on my way and nagging me from behind and it made me so frustrated that I wasn't further in front. So I think um, he was still very much part of the physical preparation in that way as well. <laughs> still got it. <laughs> there you go, Richard. Oh, no, I like to think um, those moments on the river, yeah, they're fewer and further between, but they're still very special. Yeah, it's nice to have that opportunity to still be able to paddle in a simple way and share that joy. And Richard Fox and Jessica Fox, father and daughter, each champion canoeists. Jessica, most recently winning the gold medal in canoe slalom, as well as a bronze medal in the kayak slalom at the Olympic Games in Tokyo, with her father in the commentary box doing the call of those events. It's so nice to speak to both of you. All the best and thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Amanda Smith with you and to another parent and child combo now for this sporty Father's Day special. Dennis Cometti has had a long career in sports broadcasting. He's best known and loved as a football commentator, AFL, on TV and radio. He played footy with West Perth and later coached them. His son, Mark Cometti, became not a footballer, but a professional wrestler in the United States, competing over a number of years and known as the Outback Silverback. He's now back in Perth, where together, father and son have been doing radio commentary of the football. Dennis, how much was sport a shared experience between you and Mark when he was a little kid? Sport was always an integral part of the household. It had to be because it sort of dominated what I did. So uh, he copped it pretty early. I was doing the cricket for the ABC for many years yeah. as well and travelling interstate. So uh, that was at the beginning and football came a little bit later. Football was always my first love, but the ABC seemed to think that cricket was my first love and that didn't bother me in the slightest. <laughs> well, Mark, what are your memories of playing or watching or talking sport with your dad? Probably more so just uh, hearing him broadcasting the sport. That was sort of a bit of a soundtrack. And just the exposure then, I suppose, to a, a wide variety of sports that maybe a lot of kids didn't get at my age. So there was lots of sort of Sports Illustrated lying around the house. I always remember that vividly. And I actually became a big fan of uh, US sports. And sort yeah. of that sort of took me into uh, basketball as a junior, which was my sport of preference. So it was more the atmosphere he created at home that was uh, a wide diverse sporting experience, I uh, suppose. Amanda, can I ask a question of Mark? Yeah, please uh, do. When I was on the air broadcasting cricket, say, or football, did uh, Mum say shush? 
No, she she said talk up a lot of times. <laughs> talk over yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, see, she always said she listened, she but I'm sure, she, I'm sure she did not. Mm. <laughs> oh, well, now your son's dobbed. Uh, Mark, how did you feel when you heard your father calling football or cricket or whatever on telly or on the radio? I mean, it's been going on my whole life, so I've never known any <laughs> different. So that's just what Dad does. Often people ask me strange questions like, did he read your stories and did it sound like the footy was being caught? And I said, well, no, because, you know, he's my dad. So when he's calling the footy, it's like he was reading me a story, so to speak. So it's the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not the same association. Not that he ever read me stories. Let's just clarify that. Oh. That was usually mum. So, oh, sorry to ha- and sort of hammer that zinger in there, <laughs> but it was true. Now, Dennis, your own father died when you were just 20 years old, I think. And That's right. At that time, you stopped playing football. Were the two things linked? Uh, in a way, they were, because I realised I needed a job. When my father died, he was a reason I... Not a reason I played football, but I know he enjoyed it. We enjoyed it together, and suddenly he wasn't there. He just uh, died of a heart attack one day in the street. And uh, it was something then that made me aware I needed to do things that sort of safeguarded my future. And football, by comparison with the job, wasn't going to do it in those days. Of course, now with the big wages in AFL football, that's a job. But it wasn't in those days, although the standard of football was very good in the WAFL, I'll say. A lot of players went to Victoria and did earn big money, but you had to do that. And I just wanted to uh, be in radio. I saw it as a career. And what happened was I went to the ABC. Uh, But had football been a a shared experience between you and your father? Absolutely. Uh, And that was the key to the whole thing. When he was gone, I started to think of myself a little bit more. I knew how much he enjoyed it. And when he was around, it seemed like you were younger in some respects. But suddenly your father's passed away and you realise, well, you're pretty much on your own. And I was an only child. So uh, I had a few decisions to make. Did he ever hear you call a game? Uh, No, he did not. No, he would have loved, I think, what came next, but unfortunately, he wasn't around to see it. Well, Mark, you mentioned that your main sport when you were younger was basketball. Mm -hmm. How and why did you get into wrestling? Uh, It was just, I always loved wrestling growing up. Always have good memories of watching wrestling ever since I was a a wee tacker and um, obviously always Loved the sort of over-the-top look of the wrestlers and the physiques and that type of stuff. I remember sort of back when I was four or five thinking, yeah, I want to look like that when I'm older. I didn't know why, but that was what I wanted. Um, I still vividly remember the day that Dad told me it was uh, a work, as we say in the wrestling business, which means it's uh, a show or entertainment. Uh, just come back from the video store uh, just down the road and we're out front in the car. And he looked at me and said, you know it's not real, right? And it broke my heart. I still remember that. Because um, up until that point, I was convinced definitely that it was not a work, as we say, in the business. So um, in my sort of mid-20s, I'd started lifting weights by then. So I obviously looked a little bit like a wrestler. And there was a uh, couple of guys over here touring for a local wrestling promoter. And I never wrestled or anything at that stage. But they were WWE guys, um, Rikishi Fatu and Gangrel for those listening that know anything about the sort of attitude era of the 90s when wrestling was bigger than big. And they said, uh, is this something you'd consider doing? Obviously looking at the way I looked in my age. And I said, no, not really, because it seemed like a million worlds away being in Perth, Australia. I never thought about being a pro wrestler, obviously. Um, And they said, well, look, we can give you a school to go to in the US and we think you're probably a good chance. Uh, So I thought, well, why not? Well, Dennis, what was your reaction when Mark 
became a wrestler and, and decided to go to the US. Well, he's such a good bloke, I was going to miss him. It was sort of uh, worried about myself, really. He was going away. But I like the wrestling. I mean, I used to watch that with my dad. It was a link to the past. There were some great performers back in the day, and uh, he was following in their footsteps and did a really good job, as I say, and uh, he did very well over there. Had a bit of bad luck, though. He was finding some injuries over there, and we wanted to be by his side. And it's a tough sport. I mean, it may, might be a fake sport, but at the same... Fake. I can't use that <laughs> word. Uh, sports yes, sports uh, entertainment. That's the, that's the, the official word of it. It probably was a, a sport that is more unkind than most, I would say, because of some of the ingredients there. Because you're acting or doing whatever it is you might be doing, it doesn't mean it's any less dangerous. Dennis, why did you name your son Mark? Uh, it is a feature of Australian <laughs> football, isn't it? I mean, was it hoping he'd follow you into the game? Uh, well, that's very... Astute by you realising that. I'd never heard of a kid called hand pass or kick. That was that was the bottom line. I've said that to him many times. He doesn't like it. <laughs> well, you called me drop kick a few times, I'm sure, growing <laughs> up. That was different, though. Uh, yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> well, Mark, your father has always been a very entertaining commentator, as well as knowing the sport. He always has brought a wit and humour and command of language to the commentary box. Did that understanding of the sort of performance element of sport rub off on you in pro wrestling? You know, the most sort of performative of sports, as you say, mm. you know, it's not real. Uh, <laughs> I hadn't, I hadn't, uh, I hadn't, as long as, as long as you didn't use the F word, Amanda, which is fake, we don't use that in wrestling, that is like the F word. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I think it really did help as far as my ability to deliver to camera sort of monologue as a wrestler uh, on in, in character, obviously, that they that they do to build up matches and build up character and that type of thing. I think one thing I did learn was that I was a bit of a natural at that when I started to, and I'd never tried anything like that before. So I think that was an area that I excelled in that I didn't know I would have excelled in. And that may be because of growing up around dad and obviously the way he puts language together it, looking back, it probably was definitely been around that all my life, yeah, and some of the wordplay and stuff and, and the wit that he had obviously rubbed off on me and hopefully I've got a little bit of that genetically too. <laughs> I, I've got to say, I never saw myself saying, I'll murder the bum. Oh, well, I never said that either. That sounds like <laughs> I'll some, murder the bum. That sounds like a New York wrestler from the uh, 1960s, but that wasn't your son. <laughs> That's but, right. Anyway, yeah, exactly. He's, tra- <laughs> he's trapped there. He's trapped there, Amanda. I'm trapped in the 60s, I yeah. am. That's true. <laughs> Mark, how much does sport remain part of your conversation together, part of your history, part of your relationship, would you say? Um, I think there's obviously the current with uh, the fact that we were broadcasting the footy together on the radio. So there's all, all obviously conversation that we have about that and around that. So yeah, so tell a, me about broadcasting together. I'm sure it's one of those things that I'll look back on fondly. Uh, when you're in it, you sort of just you're just rolling through it. But I, I'm sure when I look back and think that was that was a really cool time. And there has been times where I sort of stopped in the box and sort of thought, you know, just be present in this stuff because obviously his career is coming to an end and it's not going to last forever. And it's pretty cool that we got to experience that on that level, uh, which is something I thought we'd never do in a million years. Dennis, what was it like for you being in the the footy broadcast box with Mark? Uh, well, it was a good feeling, obviously. Like, uh, it was great to look across and just see him there. I mean, uh, I didn't think it had happened either, but uh, 
it was something that I'll treasure. There's no doubt about that. And he's a good broadcaster. I don't say that because he's my son, but I've known a lot of people who have sort of sent me tapes and the rest of it. A lot of talented people around, but uh, Mark is very talented too, and I've seen him do things that have amazed me along the line. Some of the stuff that he's come up with, some of the stuff I see him do, I thought, well, I'd be hard-pressed to do that. And he certainly inherited your voice. Yeah, hasn't he? He's actually lower than me, I reckon. He's like one of those uh, doo-bop singers, those guys that really went down to the floor. The bass. In the family home, we like to refer to it as a more manly version of Dad. That's uh, generally how it's described. Uh, He's been listening to his mother. General consensus, I would say, man, the general consensus. And Dennis Cometti is a legendary sports commentator who moved from playing football, Aussie rules, to talking about it and all manner of other sports for over 50 years. And his son, Mark Cometti, made his way in sport as a professional wrestler in the United States, where he was known as the Outback Silverback. Mark and Dennis, it's great to have you join us here on Sporty. Thank you so much. Good on you, Amanda. Thank you. Thanks, Amanda. And here's to good fathers everywhere, sporty and non-sporty. Program producer is Damien Rabbit, and I'm Amanda Smith. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.